When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coach, what'd you do with your summer vacation? What summer vacation? I don't take vacations. Let's go, let's go! Beautiful day in Austin. Training camp under Jimmy Johnson was always a grind. Especially the summer after the Cowboys won the Super Bowl. In order to win back-to-back, you've got to work them. Because if you don't, they'll become complacent. Into it now, into it. Everybody's into it. Let the mind control the body, not the body control the mind. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Sharp now, sharp. Like a well-oiled machine. I told the team, I said, hey, uh, we had a great team last year. We won the Super Bowl. Now... They've got to think about this, and they've got to give it some thought and not let, let it just go in one ear and out the other. Are they going to be better as an individual before next season? The only thing I've like got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed. Welcome back to Cowboys Camp, y'all. We've got the entire crew out in sunny Oxnard right now covering this thing for you. A week has gone by on the field. We're here to talk about it. On about them Cowboys. I'm Kent, joined by the Athletics' own Saad Yusuf and John Mishota. And welcoming back to the show, one of the goats of every single Cowboys training camp. It's Brian Broaddus. Welcome back, Brian. Boys, it's uh, awesome to be with you, and uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm looking to this uh, this time where I can learn from you guys. You're not going to learn anything from me. I'm going <laughs> to learn everything from you. Looking forward to looking forward to having a, a nice little chat with you, cats. Awesome. Brian, I knew it was time for me to stop going when Sizzler went out of business. That was like the message from, from yeah. the gods. The gods told you <laughs> that you were going to, that you did, that, uh, that it was you to move <laughs> on. When Kit, Kit used to tell a lady, the nice lady there at the Western Sizzler, used to say, ma'am, bring all the cheesy bread you can bring us. And, and <laughs> I'd we, say and destroy we would, us with cheesy bread. Yeah, but you used a curse word. I didn't know if I wanted to go with that <laughs> curse word, but it was uh, it was always fun to to be a part of that. Sure. As soon as you take away the cheesy bread, I'm out. See you guys in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> See you guys in Texas. I'm done. Yeah. Ah, oh, gosh. Well, it was an incredible week at camp, John, by your videos alone. Oh. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm just waiting for some blowback from someone saying, all right, we don't need to be putting all these out there. But until then, we. Yeah, it's it's training camp doesn't begin until something from John goes viral. I mean, obviously (laughs) the Tony Romo pick, but everyone wants to talk about Deuce Vaughn. And and I I blame John. I mean, go look at all the ripped videos from, you know, NFL (laughs) memes or anything. It's all John's video and all John wrote was Deuce Vaughn. John didn't <laughs> expand on anything and all the other outlets just took it and ran with ran with it like Deuce was running with it. 
I'll tell you what's impressive about you guys, the way you shoot these videos, how you put three videos together so you can, like, watch these defensive backs. Like, all right, let's watch all the one-on-ones with, you know, Cooks going against Nashawn Wright. You know, I mean, you got video after video, all these, all the connections. I think that stuff's pretty cool how you guys have figured out how to do that. So my, the only reason that I don't put much of a description with those videos is because um, I'm trying to get it out as fast as possible. And um, when we're out in those fields, um, you know, it's almost always ridiculously sunny. And so it's hard to see on your phone what you have there. So it's very difficult to break down like, oh, this guy beat this guy or whatever. If you're trying to fire off and then get to the next play. Also, while you're trying to get the video to send, you know, before the next play starts. And so you're kind of battling against that. So I, just over the years, I've I've gone to just put out the volume, let everybody else figure it out. You know. Well, and also, I know I know you mentioned this before, whenever it was, but it's almost it becomes like your own personal encyclopedia that you can at, at different times just search your name and go back to that video in camp. I know, remember like, you know, Lance Lenore. Uh, he used to have all these highlights in training camp and then, you know, he, he gets cut or something like that. And you can just bring back easily bring back those things retweeted or whatever. Uh, so I know it becomes like your own little, your own little encyclopedia as well of Cowboys training camp. So that's kind of cool. I saw that Deuce Vaughn clip. I think probably ESPN or somebody posted it on Instagram. I was like, wow, this is great great angle you know good nice cut by deuce or whatever and yeah he looks small out there had no idea it was john's clip until like oh, three yeah. days later it's like wow john <laughs> well i thought that was from the you know cowboys.com feed or something that's amazing well, i will say espn and a lot of the bigger companies they will reach out they give permission. you tons of residuals on that yeah. right just yeah just right yeah. Oh, yeah. Check. <laughs> oh yeah i just go out to the mailbox and just yeah pull pull the little lever down and just well, all these all these envelopes Your fall Venmo out. Your Venmo is, is like overflowing. Yeah. What happened to me yesterday, I mean, I don't ever take videos or pictures. And I happened to be standing up in the very top of VIP suite. And I took a picture of Gilmore and Bland together. And they're wearing the same outfit. And I said, hey, look, look what, look what Gilmore's got Bland dressing like him at practice and put it up on Twitter. And, like, somebody, like, later in the day goes, hey, Brian, look what happened. Someone had taken my exact picture, my word and everything, and posted it on their Facebook account. So it was, like, West Coast Cowboys or something. Oh, like yeah. <laughs> and so I was, like, and someone's, like, I'm, like, well, I, I guess I'm helping somebody out with their content. I, you know, I'm happy to do that. But I never post videos or pictures or anything and the one time i do it it gets lifted for uh some guy's facebook account so you know yeah. I, i'm not really john but at least i got something lifted from me you know <laughs> oh no it, it happens all the time but it's just one of those things where i probably would care more if it was like we got to do it all season long because it's just for training camp it's a few weeks and hey if anybody else out there has a cowboy site and they get any run off of it, makes them happy. I'm not really worried about it. But yeah, I do get a lot of people in the media reach out to me wow. and go, hey, so-and-so stole this and so-and-so took this from you and so-and-so. I don't know, man. Like, I'm not I'm not really losing any sleep about it. You're a nice guy, John. That's the problem. <laughs> You're too nice. 
We Dim Boys official Cowboys Nation YouTube page would not have a page if it was not for you. And <laughs> you are just so nice about that. And he's on an island now because, you know, it used to be, for me, it always was John and Hellman. Um, those used, like those two accounts, he, you know, D- Dave would do the same thing. And uh, I know he's not out there this year, but like, yeah, whenever he's out there, it's just all you have to do. Like, I remember at one point, I only had like when, when Tweet Deck was still, you know, functional and great, I had a Tweet Deck column of just John and Hellman at training camp just because I knew that that thing would be just, you know, up to date <laughs> all the time. So I had a whole column that was just John and Dave Hellman. <laughs> the live blog, yeah. I, re- I would have the tape, the coach's tape. And I would go back and look at Hellman's and John's, just get a different angle of the play. It's <laughs> like, it would, it would they'd always be like, one would be right there, like getting you the end zone shot, and the other would get you the sideline shot. So I would like. You get the I, whole I, all I, 22. Yeah. I'm watching, I'm watching all two, and I'm like, wait a minute. I saw this on Mashoda's timeline earlier. And so I'd go back and look at the play what happened just just so i can confirm what happened to the all 22 i get so upset i get so upset when they run the plays to the far side of the field i'm just like yeah <laughs> yeah we need this for yeah. twitter run the, run it over this way this the play <laughs> run the cool plays and run them now sorry go on you need to get some kind of ultra zoom snap on lens for that yeah, yeah. iphone uh let's get into some big week one takeaways from camp john start us off I hate to oversell wide receivers because I feel like we always do this. Um, but man, I've been really impressed with Jalen Tolbert. And wow. not just because of what I've seen at training camp, but just it's been the carryover from talking to him at, at you know at OTAs and minicamp and about, you know, things that he needed to work on and, and him just really, you know, taking ownership of how disappointing his rookie year was. And then since he's been out here. He just seems really solid, like seems like he knows where he needs to be, uh, you know, making the catches that are there for him and makes me think that like he really is in in position to, you know, be a number four, number five receiver here. And then if they need him, you know, to step up, maybe that happens as he progresses. But, you know, for me, I guess it's all about expectation, too. You know, when you come to a training camp, what are you expecting from a certain player? And from Jalen Tolbert, it was kind of just. I don't know, it was like middle of the line, like kind of blank sheet of paper, like let's just see what he does, you know. And, you know, through the first week, I thought, you know, he's really showed up. So he would be the one guy that I would say has really caught my eye through the first week of uh, camp practices. Uh, Brian? You know, I'd have to go with Stefan Gilmore. I, I just feel like watching him play, there's a reason why that, that Nation Wright is getting a lot of work. You know, and Nation Wright has been in some some situations where he's actually shown up pretty good. Uh, everybody feels like I had a guy on Twitter asked me today, "Do you feel like they're picking on Nation Wright?" I'm saying, well, maybe so because Stephon Gilmore on the other side isn't giving anything up. You know, I mean, he's he's done a really nice job. He had the one pass interference call in a two minute drill the other day, but other than that, I mean, he's rock solid. Um, dealing with the coverage Uh, there was a couple of times where he and hooker uh, like cooks tried a vertical route on him like three different times one time Dak didn't even throw the ball because the coverage was so good uh, with both those guys and then 
The other times the ball was overthrown. So he's one of these guys, he's smart. He knows how to play with leverage. He knows how to put himself in position to make plays. He just, the movement skills, you watch him go through the ladder drills and, and the break on the ball and the finish on the play. I think for just the initial trade that the Cowboys make, you could say the same thing about Cooks, that these two players that they added for compensatory picks and got the other teams to give money for them, I think tells you a lot right there about the pro department for the Cowboys. And Stefan Gilmore is one of those guys to me that, that clearly has shown up early in this, uh, in this training camp. Saad, anybody stand out to you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll be out in Oxnard in person starting this week. And, and you know, but for me, J- just reading and watching stuff online and stuff, for me, it's, it has been Jalen Tolbert because, you know, and, you know, like John, I'm always a little reluctant to buy in because, you know, Brian and John have been out there and, and everything as well, you know, forever. And I feel like Cowboys always have a receiver. I always call it the Lance Lenore um, syndrome, like – you know, they always have a wide receiver that usually is just, you know, really good out in training camp and looks great. But um, and and you have to be careful buying into all that hype. But the expectations, as John said, was a blank sheet for Jalen Tolbert and the ceiling for Jalen Tolbert in this offense this year is a number four receiver. So you don't even have to do anything to, you know, you're not you don't have the pressure to be a number three or a number two. Those spots, those three spots are on lock with CD Gallup and Cook, or uh, C- yeah, CD Gallup and Cooks. So if you if all you need to do is be a really good number four, and this is kind of what you know what we're seeing and and reading about him and the way he's carrying himself, then to me that is a player that really has stood out to me so far, just from afar. So you know, at this point, and then let me just add in here real quick, expectations for me factor in on this because. My expectations coming in were that Micah Parsons would probably look like a pretty good football player. So for anybody listening, let let me just make this very clear. I don't even need to be at the other training camps. I feel very confident in saying I doubt that there's anybody in the NFL right now having a better training camp than Micah Parsons has had. Maybe as good, but I I mean, he is wrecking shop, run stopping. Today was first day in full pads. He has been the absolute truth. He, you know, you go on Bet MGM, you go look up who's the favorite for NFL Defensive Player of the Year. It's Micah Parsons. From what I've seen through the first week, there's no reason why you should be betting on anybody else. I mean, he looks like a man possessed really? in all aspects of the game. But well, I just kind of almost expect that, so that's probably why I didn't name him right off the no, bat. No, it's, it's too, it's too easy. It's the old low hanging fruit, right? <laughs> you can, you can watch the drills today, and you can watch him get Tyron Smith on his left foot. And once he felt all the Tyron Smith's weight go on that left foot, he did the old Reggie White hump move. He just <laughs> tossed him. You know, I mean, it's that's but that's what that's what Micah Parsons. It's it's low hanging fruit to say, you know, because every day he goes out there, he does. He has that type of practice where he shows up. You know, he shows up and and you know whether it's on the edge at linebacker whatever he's in that. Can I throw one more guy in there real quick? And this might. I don't know if John, if if you'll agree with me on this, but Jalen Brooks, the wide receiver from South Carolina, who they drafted. Oh, you know, here's the Lance Lenore of this year. This <laughs> that's is what one. I, it's funny when Sad said that. I thought he's not wrong. This is this is the 
this is the guy that all of a sudden you're like going, okay, this was the guy that was supposed to be Noah Brown, personal protector at South Carolina, special teams player, route runner and all that. He's He had a really nice day today. He did. Catching the football. And so, you know, I just – it like it's – when you see guys flash like that, especially a rookie receiver, the Lance Lenore thing, it's, it's can they carry this over when they get tired, when they get beat up, when they start to add more to the playbook. Are you able to keep up? And, you know, Jalen Brooks is off to a really, really good start for the Cowboys. And, I, and I'll say this, Turpin had a good day catching the football today. So, uh, you know, the receivers are the ones that kind of show up. You know, everybody's going to ask us about Mozzie Smith and guys like that and how they looked in pads. You know, yeah, you have an idea, but those are the guys when those get those flash plays, especially the defensive backs, the receivers, those are the things that kind of stand out during practice for me. And, and Ken, I wouldn't put Jalen Brooks on, on the Lance Lenore uh, or in that category just because, I mean, they did draft him in the seventh round. But if you're looking for the undrafted guy like Lance Lenore was yeah, out of this who is camp it so then? far, it's probably Jalen Moreno Cropper. Um, okay. We, yeah, I mean, you could him. really notice him the first couple of uh, practices without pads on. Didn't really, you know, uh, there was nothing I noticed about him today, but he made some really nice catches early on in that first week. I would say out of the undrafted guys, he's probably been one that I've, I've noticed the most. Has Dennis Houston done anything? Uh, he had a nice grab today, but not the as Dennis Houston hype train has come to a complete stop. Well, the one thing, the one thing is with Dennis Houston, and they will say this about him: the ability and all that is probably not great, but the mental side of his game is top shelf. That one of the, I think one of the reasons why, and talking to some people in the organization why he made the team last year is because he knew exactly where to go and where to be, you know, did he have trouble finishing, you know, when they gave him the opportunity? Sure. He did. But they talk about like, I feel like the reason that he made the team was because Dak could trust him that he was going to go line up and the right spot and run the right route, even though that it was a lot slower than any of the other receivers that were playing. So, his thing is always going to be about smarts and intelligence and things like that. There's other receivers on this team, in my opinion, that have far more talent than he do than he does. Excuse me, but doesn't have the 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 uh, the knowledge this kid's got. What about Semi Fajoko? He's a guy who I know spent a lot of time with Dak this summer. You know, working on the, the, the home field and all that stuff. Um, have, have we seen it? Is, is there any hope there? Well, let me tell you what. He started off really, really well in camp last year and got hurt. And this time around, the only thing I've really noticed him, he did have the ball that clanged off him the other day, that Dak that ended up, Scott ended up getting an interception off of. But the only thing, other thing I've noticed about him, like the other wide receivers, he wears one long tight, no short, a uh, short on the other side. Rest light. And I said this on the Love of the Star podcast earlier when we, when Bobby and I were taped it. He needs to worry less about fashion and figure out more about football. You know, because that you know. And let's see, let's see if in fact these the other practices and some some of the games and stuff will show up. But he's behind on some of these guys that we were talking about earlier 
in my opinion, that have stood out. And this is a big opportunity for him. I mean, huge. You look, yeah, you look at not having Noah Brown. You need a bigger wide receiver that can help out in a variety of ways. Uh, you're on a roster that, yeah, the top three trio is, is pretty cut and dry, obviously. But after that, man, there's just there's so much there for the taking. And this isn't his first rodeo. I mean, this is if it's not now, when? Yeah, I mean, anybody you spend draft capital on, right? In any, you want to see something. So. Other than Deuce Vaughn, you look at the people that have stood out to John, uh, according to John's footage, Brandon <laughs> Cooks, Stefan Gilmore, Brian. Yeah. You look at those moves in the offseason and just what the Stefan Gilmore move does to that tandem. Like yeah. it, it automatically puts that tandem of Diggs and Gilmore in the top three or four tandems in the NFL at cornerback. I mean, Miami's got a pretty good one. You know, uh, the Jets got a pretty good one. But but do we pencil in Jerry for executive of the year right now is, is all I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm sure he would love that. Um, you know, I'll tell you what, the fact that the, the guys like Gilmore and, and others have shown up, it's really softened the blow for not seeing dicks. You know, in, in my opinion, I'm like, I, I'd love to see Diggs out there running around and, you know, they're being cautious with this O and, and all that. But I think the fact that Gilmore, Bland, uh, you know, I mean, they, they as, as a whole, like the secondary itself, I know they suffered those injuries uh, to the safeties. You know, and I, I'm going to admit, you know, uh, Wanye Thomas was a guy I didn't know a whole hell of a lot about. You know, and all, you know, oh, wait, Georgia Tech, you know, first year, uh, one year guy in the league. He's come up with some pretty damn good plays. So, as a whole, the secondary, they haven't, it's like, yeah, I want to see Diggs practice, but others have done a pretty nice job of showing up. And, and yeah, that the fact that the pro department came up to, to make a trade for, you know, Gilmore and, 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 and like solidify this opposite the side because we were all covering this team it was a train wreck what was going on late in the year they're getting guys off the street to try and start corners in in the game you know and that's what the sad thing about mcquamu not being in there either so you know i mean i'd love to see mcquamu Diggs, those guys competing but there's some others that have stepped up and done a pretty solid job uh because Brian just mentioned Diggs. Let me just give you a quick injury update here. He did. He was able to do some individual today, so that's obviously a good sign. He's dealing with a toe issue. It's a bruise. Uh, this is very precautionary just because they don't want to, this to turn into something where he's dealing with it during the season. Uh, this is not something that I think he would be missing any time if it was during the regular season. But I also wanted to note that Sam Williams, uh, the second-year defensive end, their second-round pick last year, left practice early today uh, with a shoulder issue. Um I don't know that it's that se- severe or anything Brain. like that. Shoulder strain is what we're dealing with now. It's a shoulder strain. So um, they might have dodged something there with some issues and stuff. They're going to monitor and see how it goes out. But right now, nothing was torn or or messed up in that way. It's just a strain that he's dealing with from what I heard. When I when I walked up to you today before practice started, what did you say when I said like what you were looking for? Didn't you say something like just I don't know? You didn't say it that nobody gets hurt, but it was something injury related. I can't remember what you said. Something about health. I said I said you asked me what am I looking for in practice? <laughs> I said 
somebody getting up after every play. There you go, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, today it was uh, it was a little bit tough because Sam Williams is a guy that, you know, they're – I think they're really counting on Sam Williams. I think that – I think that when you start talking to the coaches and guys in the front office, you know, they, they – when, when everybody was doing May, June, July radio – it was always, okay, who's the player that's going to make that jump? Sam Williams is always on the top of everybody's list. Mm-hmm. Always on top of everybody's list. And by the way, too, speaking of um, another injury update there, uh, Dorrance Armstrong with that hamstring, it was tightness. They don't think it's something long-term, though. They feel like that you know that they can they could work through this, but it was just tightness and it was more of a precautionary thing they're dealing with. So, there they go, two defensive ends, two edges, you know, in one practice. It's like two safeties being gone. You know, uh, eventually it's that stuff kind of catches up to you. But uh, they were they felt okay about the Williams thing, and they felt okay about Armstrong's hamstring going forward. Just a just a thing on Sam Williams, real quick. I think I think you know anybody that's playing defensive end, pass rusher, you know, any of those you know kind of hybrid positions. It's a golden opportunity in Dallas, man. Like it, it's it's kind of like if you're it's kind of like if you're a sharpshooter in the NBA and you get to play with Luka Doncic. Like you should be good and you should be getting you know paid either by the Cowboys or somewhere else at the end of your contract because you got a couple of beasts in Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons who are going to command a lot of the attention and rightfully so, and they're going to you know th- th- that's where it's all going to go for if you're the offensive line trying to protect against them. Um, we saw that with Randy Gregory, right? The, the way that he was able to capitalize on a lot of that stuff. I think Sam Williams, um, for me, a prime candidate who should be really good, whether he's that good, um, wh- whether he looks better than he actually is, that's not anybody else's problem. Um, you know, that's not his problem. He needs to just go out there and show out. So I'm actually, I, you know, for me, he's one of those guys that I'm really excited about this year. And that would be true if it was Sam Williams. It would be true. For anybody else in that position because you're going to just get so much opportunity um you know it's kind of like the, the same way that i felt about corner or that i still feel about corner because like you know what brian was saying uh about nation right and stuff dude's gonna get a lot of opportunity to get a lot of interceptions because you got trayvon Diggs on one side and stefan gilmore on the other when you have these kind of setups and you're a player and you're that third guy you got to take advantage of those things and that's something i hope sam williams is able to for the sake of himself and for the sake of the Cowboys once the season rolls around. We should mention Donovan Wilson injured as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we mentioned that off the top. It looks like he'll miss the rest of camp, John. Is that the latest? That is, yeah. But, I mean, again, that's another one of those things. that You just don't want to start the season dealing with some major setback. So uh, it sounds like, yeah, it'll be one of those things where he should be ready for the season opener. And fortunately, that, that safety position, they've actually – you know, put quite a few resources there that, you know, like a guy like Marquis Bell is getting a chance to, you know, get a lot more time. And, and that's good. I mean, they got, they have some, they have some good depth there. So I guess they can kind of absorb it for right now, but that's the thing. Like it sucks to say this, but I mean, it's football, there's going to be injuries, you know, and this is the time of year too. These guys, you know, get out on, on the grass and, you know, they suffer some setbacks and the worst thing you, you can do is try and rush a guy back. And then all of a sudden now he's dealing with it throughout the entire upcoming season. And you don't want that. With that being said, I do want to note, though, uh, on my time coming out to Oxnard, this is the best that the two fields have looked 
grass wise. Oh <laughs> so, oh so that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I know you're absolutely right about that. I, I will say this though. Um, I was very critical. I know on our show on 105.3, the fam G bag nation. And I was critical of, uh, Malik hooker on, uh, you know, as, as far as some of the stuff and people were coming after me about it. And that's cool. I have no problem with that. You know, if you're one of those folks that believe in analytics and you look at the numbers, his numbers aren't great in coverage. I mean, he was like you, people were 20 of 29 against him, you know, catching the football. You know, I mean, he's like, you know, there's a quarterback's you know, rating was, you know, above 85. You know, there, there's some things about Malik Hooker. I will say this to give him credit. I mentioned him earlier, too. You know, there's been a couple of times where he's been put in some situations with some deep coverage against a really fast Brandon Cooks, and he's been able to cover the ground. And now he and he and Curse got caught one today where Cooks got past Curse, and then there was no help. So now Hooker was trying to run to try and cover. But, you know, that's the thing with Brandon Cooks. If you don't have – if you if you can't – you know, double him the way you need to deep, he's going to make plays. But, you know, but overall, I have to give Malik Hooker some credit for some of the plays that he's been able to make early in this camp. What's the latest on Zach Martin, John? I'm getting nervous. He'll be here tomorrow. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Breaking news. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, man. I think... I can't say that Jerry's the only only owner that would say the things that he does because that would be completely <laughs> underselling what Jim Ursay has been saying in Indianapolis about his God. running back. But it is it's just fascinating how Jerry will just dig in on on these things yeah. where even with a player who, you know, I mean, I think it's probably gonna be in the Ring of Honor, will probably be in Canton, and Jerry is just not budging. Now that's what he's saying publicly, you know, he's saying that I'm, you know, I'm not going to be redoing this contract because uh, we need money because we got to pay Parsons. And it just it's just funny to hear like an owner just come out and say things like that because most don't in any sport. Uh, so it was just very clear on Saturday that Jerry is pretty dug in on, on this. And well, let's be honest, Zach's, Zach's being fined $50,000 a day every, every day he's not out here. But I do think that something gets done. I do think that in a way... Not exactly like, but in the neighborhood of maybe like how Demarcus Lawrence got a deal where, you know, it added some years, but it also helped the team out. I can see something like that getting done. I just would be very surprised if Zach Martin missed any games. Yeah. Really quick on, on that on that, just with Jerry. I remember watching that opening press conference and I was impressed. I was like, Jerry said that he's not gonna talk about it. There was a follow up question and he stood firm and Mike McCarthy stood firm and said, you know, it's a business thing. Jerry talked and I was like, wow. And then right after that in the walk-off, Jerry started spilling a little bit. He started leaking. And then the next day or like, you know, just in the following days, Jerry, you know, the dam broke and, and, you know, Jerry just started talking. And I like that you brought up Jim Ursay, but like you also have to understand how weird that is because Jim Irsay is talking about one, probably the most undervalued position, you know, at least in terms of trending and, you know, that we've seen in football. He's also talking about a player who just flashed, who just kind of burst onto the scene. Zach Martin is, is the elite of the elite. He's been that way. Literally the only season he wasn't all pro is because the team made him switch positions because they were banged up and then he got hurt. I mean, he's he's the top of you know he he's the top of the position, 
And also, he's – I mean, is, is it too – I don't think it's too crazy to say he's the best offensive player on the team. And for, for Jerry to kind of pull that with, with Zach Martin, of all people, is, is to me, is just wild. Well, let's 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 do a little little revisionist history if we can here. And John Mashoda was standing there with me in a hotel in Indianapolis, Indiana during the combine. And someone asked the question about Ezekiel Elliott. And Stephen Jones immediately said, Well, it's gotta start with Todd Gurley, right? It's gotta start with what Todd Gurley's done, right? And next thing you know, it's like, oh. So that's where we're at. That's where we are with the money. That's where I think the Joneses learned their lesson that day. I think that Jerry Jones, deep down inside, he knows he can't call Zach Martin a Ring of Honor player or a Hall of Fame player or one of the best linemen in the National Football League. I I don't think he can because all of a sudden then it's going to come back. Well, why don't you pay him like that? Why don't you pay him like a Hall of Famer? Why are you allowing him to be $7 million less than the best interior lineman in the, in the National Football League? I think the Joneses, I think, Jerry, yeah, do they want to dig in? Sure. But do they also understand that by opening their mouths, they get in trouble a lot, you know? And I think that's where Jerry's at right now. I really do. I mean, he mentions about Michael Parsons, but yeah. He's got C.D. Lamb he's got to do, too. He's got to get something done with Dak. I mean, there's things that he has to do. So, me personally, I think Jerry, you know, I think Jerry, can they get all $7 million back to Dak, or excuse me, to Zach? I don't think so. I've said this on a couple different platforms. If you do 2 or $3 million, if they cut that in half, and somehow Zach can get that, you know, not the 7 but get 3 maybe two and a half, you know, maybe that will be something that would be different. Maybe that's something that he will agree to. I just don't see him missing games. Again, I talked to somebody on the field, the front office before practice today, just happened to walk by me in that little tunnel area. And I said, any news on, on Zach at all? And he goes, no, none. And, you know, it's just, I go, well, how do you feel? He goes, well, you know, you just, it is what it is. You, you just try and keep moving on and, and, you know, you know, you need him and you want him and you'd love for him to be here. He's under contract, but you know, they understand the business side of things too. And I just think that Jerry, Steven are, have to be very mindful of what they're saying about these players after what happened with that Todd Gurley thing. Well, and Brian, I'm interested to hear your take on this because you've obviously worked for NFL teams and you've been on the team side for me with the player side, and just seeing how quickly if a player gets hurt and how quickly a team can move on from them, these contracts aren't fully guaranteed. Right. I kind of feel for the player and understand where the player is coming from because it's not like it's the NBA where, yeah, you know what? You can move on. Well, you'll still get your money. Well, if Zach got hurt, you know, they're not going to go back and be like, you know what, Zach, we should have been paying you more or whatever. Like, and he's not going to get the full guaranteed amount. So there's a part of me where I understand where, where Zach's coming from as well. Yeah, I, I learned something today on the radio that I found fascinating, that Max Scherzer is getting paid by three teams this year <laughs> to play baseball. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, that here you go. he's making $15 million from the uh, the Nationals. He's making 20 million from the Mets, and he's making $15 million from the Rangers. 
So my man is making three <laughs> contracts for over $15 million worth of salary. Two of my teams, he's not even playing for anymore. So to and by me, the way, that's true for all three other leagues, just FYI. Like yeah. NBA, NHL, MLB, they're all like sure. that. Sure. I mean, they talk about these buyouts and stuff like that. That's money. That's absolute money. So I, I do feel like that the Cowboys will try to help Zach. I don't know how much they – but like I said, maybe you meet him halfway on this and you kind of figure out uh, that route. But I, I know that Jerry and Steven – have got to be careful of how well they talk about these players because it tends to burn them at the end of the day with when it comes to how much money they end up having to pay out. I love a hypothetical. We love hypotheticals on this show. Throw this one out here. Just because we know of the demand for players of Zach Martin's status in this league right now, could Jerry trade him? Would he? Ooh. I'm going to say no. I just think there's too yeah. much. I keep saying there's too much riding on this season. Um, and there was a lot riding on that 2019 season, Jason Garrett's last year. And I think that's, you know, kind of why you saw the Zeke deal get done because to ultimately have your best chance to make a run, you're going to need Ezekiel Elliott in the fold. And because of that, I think they'll figure out some, some way to get something done. I, Cause I say that not just about Zach and that position. I'd say that about across the board with the team, if, you know, there's, you got Ronald Jones today getting suspended for the first two games of the year. Like if there's not a number two running back that steps up on this team, I could see this team going out and, and, and going after a veteran player. Like, you know, and if there's another, you know, whether it be interior offensive line or something, I'm not saying that obviously the players that are out there that are available right now aren't the, the greatest of options, but I just don't see this team sitting back being like, Hey, this is just what we got here. We got, you know, this is what we, we got to roll with. The other part of it is like, for me, this Cowboys offensive line, like, you know, they talk about best five all the time. Yeah, there's a best five on the Cowboys, and it's real cut, real dry. After that top five, significant drop-off. Yeah, I kind of feel like the same thing as uh, what we're talking about here. Uh, I watched uh, I watched him trying to play with ball at guard, and and I, I just – I had to look away a couple of times. I had to – a Doga playing tackle, I had to look away a couple of times. You know, it's nice to have Let's Go Back and and then, you know, Steele and those guys. But that right guard spot, other than Farniak, and Farniak got beat on a sack the other day, and it's going to happen in practice and stuff. Farniak's looked the best at that right guard spot. I don't know if they want to go to battle with Farniak as the starter at right guard. I just don't. Now, maybe we're all waiting for Tyron Smith to get injured and then Tyler Smith has to kick outside, and then Farniak becomes the guard, and maybe that's how he starts. But if every day that I watch tape, I watch that right guard spot, I pray to God that I can send my G5 jet to Dallas and go get Zach Martin and bring him back. I, I just don't see them. I don't. It's just not. Now, if you know, oh, somebody asked me this question, you know, if you'd have drafted the Florida kid, or you'd have drafted one of these guards, like in the you know first or second round, you know, if you'd have done that, would you have had some leverage? You know, maybe, maybe things would have been different. But this team needs Zach Martin at right guard, I, and him, him, and him and Steele together are such a good combination over there. And Steele is showing some good things coming back from from his his injury so 
I, I, I don't think I'd move on from Zach if, if, if it was me. Yeah, and two, two things to go off of what Brian just said, or Brian said recently is, one, I mean, even if you drafted a guy, like even if you drafted a guy, this is a Hall of Fame player in his prime. This is like, this is like if the Packers, you know, drafted Jordan Love and tried to use that as leverage against Aaron Rodgers. Like, it's not, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a moot point. Like, you know, one is not the other. Um, and then the other thing, if you're the Cowboys, you're in this championship window and, you know, John, you and I, uh, and, and, you know, we were talking about this, I think on our last podcast about this is the best team since the Wade Phillips years, like going into the season, this is the best roster since, you know, those 2007 years and stuff. When you have that, you're, I mean, again, this is not somebody at the end of the road. Zach Martin's not at the end. I mean, he's not at the beginning. And, and, you know, he's kind of like right there in his prime, I would say, and maybe towards the end of his prime, but he's still there. Um, to make a cross-sport comparison the way Brian did uh, a little while ago, we talked about this with the Angels, right? Like, are you going to be the guy who traded away Shohei Otani? Are you going to be the general manager that did that? I mean, are, and that's when you don't even know what he's going to do, and you don't even know if he wants to be in, uh, playing with the Angels after this season. I think they have a – legitimate argument if they did want to trade him Zach Martin wants to be here he wants to be here he just wants more uh he wants to be compensated the way that he's playing are you going to be the general manager that looked at your hall of fame right guard and by the way your quarterback we talked about this before with receivers this holds true in an offensive line too I think Dak Prescott is the top 10 quarterback in the NFL Dak Prescott is not that top tier quarterback in the NFL he needs he needs resources around him. If you move on from Zach Martin, you're you're taking a block away from Dak Prescott. And by the way, your center is no longer Travis Frederick. You move on from uh, Zach Martin, you're taking a chip away from Tyler Biotish. I mean, these all things these are all things that are interconnected. I know the cliche of football as a team sport gets thrown in our faces a lot, but it's a team sport. And Zach Martin is a Hall of Fame right guard, but he is a lot more to this team. And I think if they traded him away, that would be a, a, a terrible mistake. You know, it's funny you say that, Saad. Uh, there was a general manager at the Atlanta Falcons named Ken Harrock, and uh, he was a back-in-the-day general manager. And I always used to bust, uh, bust his balls about stuff because he'd always like – he was always getting on us in Green Bay. And I said, hey, what's it like to be a general manager that got rid of Deion Sanders and traded Brett Favre? (laughs) How does that feel? Does that feel good? And, you know, he's like, oh, F you, you know, that kind of thing. I always go, hey, what was it like to get rid of Deion Sanders and Brett Favre, two Hall of Fame players? Was that that good? Was that good? It's Jerry's worst nightmare. Oh. He always says his worst nightmare is somebody going and succeeding somewhere else that he let go. So, uh, well, no. and that's on the eve of a Hall of Fame class coming up with DeMarcus Ware. Yeah. So if Jerry can't pay all of them, if that's his mentality, I can't yeah. pay Zach, Micah, CD, and Dak. I mean, if you were to rank those and list a priority, mm. Micah would be number one, right? But wouldn't Zach Martin what? be number two? Wouldn't you be more willing or wanting to get that done, then probably C.D. Lamb. Am I crazy in that? Why are we all thinking about this quarterback at number two, right? Kind of a deal? Is that yeah. what we're thinking about? Yeah, but the age factor is kind of what is the – I mean, in, in a vacuum, if you're, ta- if you're telling me to rank the players, like 
There's no question about it. But Zach Martin is 32 years old, and C.D. Lamb is, you know, whatever he is in his mid-20s. And so right. I, I think for me that's the big kicker is, you know, the age. C.D. Lamb just turned 24 a few months ago. Zach Martin is 32 years old. So that's where I'm not debating the importance because the other thing is, like, if you don't have C.D. Lamb, you can go fill that up with, you know, Brandon Cooks, uh, Michael Gallup does well, Jalen Tolbert emerges. I mean, it's not C.D. Lamb, but you can make do with that. What do you do if you don't have Zach Martin? I, You know, that's a nightmare. You draft Quentin Nelson is what you do. <laughs> No, I, I know what you're saying. So, I mean, you're not wrong. It, it to me, it's uh, man, it, that's a tough one. And I think that C.D. Lamb is one of those guys that can clearly, you know, he could be right now. I mean, there's so many of these wide receivers. It's like eight, ten deep. You know, when you start talking about the quality of the wide receiver in the National Football League, and it is hard to find guards or you know interior players that you know can be. You'd have to be. You have to be really really fortunate you know but the, the last couple of years you know we've seen we've seen some offensive linemen you know I know our kid from Northwestern that plays for the Chargers um, you know that you know we talked about him as a possibility instead of taking Micah Parsons and there's you know to me it's it's like I love Micah Parsons and also but I also appreciate offensive line play you know Sean Slater yeah Slater yeah. I mean I, geez, I was thinking, I was thinking of a draft where I take Slater and then I take Bolton at linebacker that Kansas City took in the second. Mm-hmm. Round. You know, that's what I was. That's my. That was my plan. People were asking me, "Well, you just didn't want Michael Parsons." I'm like, "No, I had a, I had a plan to draft a linebacker. I had a plan to draft a really good linebacker. You know, but, you know, but I did get one of the best players in in the NFL. There's no question. You drafted." But Slater, I mean, this team has proven that when they take first-round offensive linemen, they usually work out pretty well. I mean, that is the one thing. Look, everybody was against Tyler uh, Tyler Smith. Look at him now. Everybody's, you know, wow, that Tyler Smith, you know, playing in a couple of different spots, you know. So I, yeah. that, that's a, a great question, though, of how you would power rank those guys. Yeah, for me, clearly Parsons is number one. I think that he yeah. could be the difference because while they have drafted well, like Brian said, on the offensive line, that hasn't gotten him to a Super Bowl. And Micah Parsons is a piece on this team that I think if I could see him being that guy that gets them over the top. Uh, I just think he's such a special talent, and I don't think those guys come around very often. And so as long as he's on the trajectory that he is right now, I can't even think. Everything else is just falls into second behind that. And it's kind of interesting because you look at Trayvon Diggs, if you threw him in the mix, he probably would have been the one that you would have said, well, he would be the one that they would, if out of that group that you mentioned that, and then so, but he's ends up being the one that gets the contract done first, you know, uh, which is smart on, on all parties involved there. So um, I don't know. I, I look at this. Salary I, thought, camp. I thought that was going to be the hardest one. I honestly, yeah. I can't tell you how many days on June radio, that I was, if you had to say which were going to be the most difficult one to do. And, you know, I, that, that's one of those things where the, you know, the kid did the Cowboys a favor. He didn't come in yeah. and ask to be the highest paid corner. He has to be the fifth. Pay- the, the, the way he negotiated that deal or his agent did the deal, it was right in Stephen Jones's wheelhouse. Hey, 
You're not asking me for 20 million or $22 million. You're asking me for the fifth highest paid. And I can, this, I could structure it this way. I could use the one year you have left. You know, it, it, it was right in his wheelhouse, you know? And, and I, you know, I thought, oh, I thought that was going to be crazy hard. I really, really did. But he didn't, he didn't ask for everything. He didn't ask for all the money. He asked for what he felt like was fair for him and good for him for doing that. And the Cowboys got it done and he got it done. That was a, that's a win-win for both sides, in my opinion. Yeah, and Brian, you know, I mentioned this on our, on our previous podcast. This is just my uh, speculation or observation. Trayvon Diggs was a second-round pick, right? And so we talked about this with uh, the running back uh, uh, franchise tag situation, the way Tony Pollard signed in was like, yep, bring up the $10 million and let's, let's roll. And then you see the way Saquon Barkley has kind of approached it and the way that – and, and, you know, Jacobs as well. You know, you look at these other players – they, they've always had this pedigree of being at the top and, and, you know, knowing that they're going to be at the top. Dak is the exception because he's a quarterback. But you think about the way Zeke approached his, um, you know, contract negotiations. You think about what Micah would be as a first-round pick. Zach Martin was a first-round pick. Um, you know, C.D. Lamb was a first-round pick. I think, I think there's a certain pedigree and stuff that goes into it. Um, when you, when you were just, you know, when, when you were a little bit later and you feel grateful, like, you know, or not that the other guys aren't grateful, but you feel just, you know, if you're, if you're Zach Martin, you feel, you feel like you're going to demand something. Whereas if you're Trayvon Diggs and, you know, maybe Tony Pollard, you're like, Hey, you know, the a hundred million dollar contract, whatever, like, you know, just bring it up. And I feel like there's a little bit that goes into that psyche. Maybe one last thing I want to mention to you guys we have to mention it while brian is here this will be the last time we probably talk about this this year it comes up every single year though john <sighs> jerry had to talk about jimmy and the ring of honor <laughs> and what did he say this time what do you mean had to <laughs> he was asked about it and i mean it's it's still a thing he was talking about other coaches and then hellman with one of the great all-time memes is the Jason Garrett hanging out the yeah. train picture. Great response by Dave, yeah. <laughs> that right, was... Well, let's if we're going to be completely honest about this, <laughs> practice ended today. Yeah. And Jerry was walking from his tower <laughs> and he Clarence was in the stop him who stopped him. Clarence... I don't know who stopped him. I thought it was David Moore, but where they were at was in the sun. And Jerry was like, well, let's go into this shaded area. So about four or five of us went over in this one area and talked to Jerry for about 10 minutes. And the first couple of questions were about the going to the Errol Spence fight. And then it got into talking about the current team. And then about after eight or nine minutes, I, I was like, I want to know, like, why, why aren't you putting Jimmy Johnson in the ring of honor? So that's why go. I asked him. It's not like he offered go. this up. I am the one that asked it. There you because go. at the end of minicamp, he was asked if he was going to put anybody else in the Ring of Honor, and he said no. He had no plans to do that. And so I was like, well, when I go to training camp and we get him off to the side, I'm going to ask him specifically about Jimmy Johnson because I do think it's ridiculous that Jimmy Johnson is not in the Ring of Honor. I think it's a glaring, like, obvious choice. And so I was like, oh, this will be a good time to ask him whatever. And, and in true Jerry fashion, you know— I'm, I'm sure he wasn't expecting that, but he answered right away. And I will say, though, with him saying other coaches, rack your brain all you want. I don't know who the other coaches would be. There's no other coaches that should be going in there. And 
I just don't understand how you have a ring of honor without Jimmy Johnson. And, and at the end of that answer, just like Jerry always says, when he talks about the ring of honor, he talks about how it's supposed to be so ex- exclusive and you don't want to just put everybody in there. And I get that. And it should be. And it should include Jimmy Johnson. It's just very obvious to me. So that's why I asked him. I'm glad you asked the question because that means that Joe Alvisano has a chance to be in the ring of honor. <laughs> you know, Norv Turner, you know. Uh, Who could he have been referring to? Maybe Parcells? I, there's no way. Parcells in the ring of honor. I mean, the one thing that Bill Parcells did for Jerry Jones is he got AT&T Stadium built. Turn, turn that bad boy around. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. We were god Jimmy awful. Johnson won Super Bowls yeah, more than the, one. And yeah. ever since he's I left, the, franchi- the franchise has been headed in the wrong direction. I'm just trying to decipher what Jerry was meaning by other coaches. Well, somebody's in his mind. Who is it? Dave Campo. <laughs> yeah, we were awful. Not Dave Campo. It's either we Parcells or... Maybe Avizano. That's a good one. Barry not, no, okay. There you go. Yeah. Again, won a Super Bowl at least. You yeah. got that going. With Jimmy's team. Well, yeah. yeah, but at least he got a Super Bowl. That tops the you know, other one. Parcells kind of came in, bad situation, turned it around. Hall of Fame players came out of kind of his regime. I can see that. All right, I got, I got one for you, Brian. Name a guy that you know of in your entire time working following the NFL that never made it to being a head coach, was always an assistant or coordinator that you think would belong in the Hall of Fame? Because a name doesn't even jump out to me. Just all he was was an assistant his whole yeah. time? Yeah. Because, Brian, as uh, you know, as me being I, the diehard I, Florida I, State football fan I am, well, like yeah. whenever I think of stuff like that, I think of Mickey Andrews. He was their longtime Mickey, defensive well, coordinator. Was, was yeah, no, but I can't absolutely. think of anybody in the NFL. I think I have one. That was Maybe, never I don't head know. Coach. Yeah. You better not even say the name because don't make me mad. Go ahead. Is it somebody that has coached recently and ever coached with the Dallas Cowboys? Okay. Go ahead. Your 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 mic's kicking out. What? Jim Johnson. Oh, Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. Defensive coordinator Jim Johnson. Yeah, long time assistant. Yeah. Uh, Never, yeah, was a head coach. I feel like he head he coach. might be the only one that comes to mind for me. I'm just telling you this, guys. I'm telling you this. Don't you laugh at me for saying Joe Alvazano. There is a lot of love between Jerry Jones and Joe Alvazano when he was a coach. A lot oh, yeah. of love. a lot of love there. And oh. Joe Joe wanted Joe wanted to be the head coach so bad when Campo got that job, and and I I'm. I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past Jerry to honor the memory of Joe Alvazano, who was so beloved by the the, mm-hmm. the everybody and everybody who's like in, associated with the Cowboys. I know we're, you're laughing at it right now. I'm serious. I'm laughing at John's face. <laughs> Hat trick like over Jimmy Johnson, though. No, no. But I'm saying if Jerry is going to put a OK, like Hudson Houck, you know, so but yeah, yeah. I think that he would put. Honestly, if you ask Jerry to put a non-head coach in the Ring of Honor specifically, I guarantee you he would mention he would mention Joe Alvazano. Seriously, I do. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not I'm not BSing you guys. I really, if he's thinking of that, you know, if he's thinking of that kind of guy, 
Jeez, he wouldn't do it for Jason Garrett, would he? No, no chance. No, no Not way. No, no way, Jason Garrett. But and, and Garrett's won the second most games in Cowboys history as the coach, right? Am I right about that? He's also here so, for like but, 12 years, right? So. Yeah, but John, I, I don't know if you were talking about just Cowboys people. but if No, you're no, no, about no, no, no. I'm talking the entire league. Yeah, and, I think, I, and, and I even think, with that, that's not going to be somebody that you would ever well, put yeah, in a like, ring of honor like, over Jimmy Johnson. England, New England, Dante no, yeah, Skarnecchia, sure. Dante Skarnecchia, Tom Moore, Tom Moore like in Tampa or, or Indianapolis. You know, Tom Moore who coached, who's been coaching 50-something years, you know, he, he and all with, great names and all great names. And they're not, you would never put them in any type. You would never put any of them in any type of a ring of honor over Jimmy Johnson and what he did for the Cowboys. That's all I'm, I'm saying. Not, like, no, I can't no, think I'm of anybody, pretty, let alone the yeah. Dallas Cowboys. I can't think of anybody. No, no, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with you. I'm just giving you, like I say, Tom Moore. Uh, right. That Tom Moore got put in the, in the in the Hall of Fame here recently as a contributor, you know, as a coach, you know, just recently. You know that 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 wing that they have for those people. You know, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I you, I'm, I'm serious about Joe Alvisano. I, I yeah. don't be surprised if somebody asks that question one day and he mentioned Joe Alvisano's name. And I know he's beloved in the organization. He's beloved by the fan base. He's super pop. I mean, it would be one of those. But over Jimmy Johnson, I I totally get what you're saying, John. No, and and it's funny because like growing up in the '90s in Detroit, obviously not being in Dallas, but still watching the Cowboys all the time because they're always always on TV. He's certainly part of that brand that I think of with those Cowboys. They used to always show him on TV. He got more airtime than any special teams coach has probably ever received. Like, yeah, he was a major, like a key figure, like a face that I, you know, you would notice all the time. Like, you know, right up there with how it was always seemed like it was Madden and Summerall calling those games. No, for sure. I and I get all of that, and I understand honoring all those guys. uh, But I'm just trying to think of somebody when Jerry said other coaches, and he was asked to follow up. You know, well, what coach are you talking about? And he didn't want to give that up. So, yeah. The fact that he didn't do it the year that he went in the Hall of Fame, he could have gotten all that done at once. He's got to reopen this wound every year now. He's going to have to reopen the wound when he when and if he does it. John, you were there when they honored him at the game. Remember, Jimmy? I think they gave him his ring or something like that. Yeah, and Jimmy, a lot of times, yeah, Jimmy said, "How about them it. Cowboys?" And the Amazing. stadium went went bonkers. Amazing. I don't think Jerry loves that. Probably didn't. That's I don't think probably, he loves that, that the, the fans love ATT's him more than ever been. than Jerry. I just Jimmy might be the one person that the fans would scream louder for than, you know, Jerry walking by at, you know, training camp or whatever. Absolutely. Let me tell you this. It means this is, man, this is, this is just my statement. This is not anything I know, but I think it means more to Jimmy Johnson that he's in the hall of fame than he is in the Cowboys ring of honor. I just, I I just do. I, I just feel like that, you know, to me, he, he, and he, to me, he got the last laugh. He he really did here, you know. He got into the he got into the Pro Football Hall of Fame without being inducted into his the team where he won Super Bowls Ring of Honor. Think about that. You know, Jerry th- will say he got in first, and That's well, he and, and he got the last <laughs> laugh. But he's getting another laugh every single season that goes by that this team doesn't even get right. back to an NFC Championship no game. Because no all all that does is every year that goes by that that happens, it just further cements that. 
oh, okay. It's it's almost like little percentage points. Like, okay, yep, this is every percentage more towards the Jimmy was the biggest reason for this. I mean, and it and it's, I'm I'm sure that bothers Jerry, but I'm also one of these people that believe, you know, and I do think Jimmy Johnson one day is going to get in there. But I just think that it's it's always it's better if someone gets that recognition while they're alive, while they can enjoy it, when um you know things like that, as opposed to you know. 20 years, 30 years from now, like, I I just, I don't know, it just seems very petty, but to Ken's point, yeah, when they, when they didn't put him in right after he made the Hall of Fame that following season, it made me start thinking like, well, maybe Jerry just never will put him in. And then it'll have to be something that happens like Steven does it or or something down the line. And that, and that just, to me is wrong. And, and, you know, to piggyback off of that, I mean, I I just wrote something that's going to come out eventually about Chuck Howley and like, you know, to see Chuck, like, I, 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 you know, Chuck Howley deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. It just sucks to, and, you know, I think Staubach talked about this, you know, a, a little while back. It sucks to see it happen when, you know, he's in the state that he is with the sure. dementia and all that stuff. You, you would, like, he's a Hall of Famer. You wish it, it would have happened even a decade ago, w- would have been 35 years after his eligibility, and you wish that it would have happened then. And so I'm with you on that. And, and, you know, the, on, the only other coach, obviously like is Barry Switzer who won the Super Bowl after with Jimmy's team. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, knocking that uh, anything really with, not trying to knock Barry Switzer with that. But remember there was the documentary that came out. I think Kent may have worked on it on DallasCowboys.com. Um, oh, yeah. And you saw that clip of Troy Aikman just being like, dude, like, what do I got to do? Like these people yeah. are so, like, like, like I, I got to babysit these guys or like whatever he was saying, I'm paraphrasing, but he was, he was just going off like, what the hell are we doing? And like, yeah. he was basically taking shots at the head coach. Basically saying, I'm coaching the team. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, and, and for me, that's, to me, that was the biggest win for Jimmy Johnson. I mean, other than the Super Bowls, that well, was, you have your Hall of Fame quarterback saying like, what the hell is going on here? And why, why can the head coach not be a head coach? And that's what the head yeah. coach that won the Super Bowl for them. <laughs> so there's no other conversation to be had. As much as I, as a as a guy who grew up a Cowboys fan in Dallas, and family had season tickets for 20 years, from 1972 till 1992, till when I went to work for the Green Bay Packers. I I grew up. The thing I, I do appreciate this about the Jones family, what they've done. They've given me a two careers. They've let me be a scout. And they let me work on .com. They've given me a couple of careers. I love the Jones family. Don't get me wrong. I do feel like this team was really good before 1989. And I, and in a lot of ways. And I personally grew up watching Harvey Martin play defensive end, you know, and, and, and wreck shop on NFL quarterbacks and help us win the Super Bowl in 77, you know, against the Broncos and be MVP of the Super Bowl with Randy White. And, it bothers me to this day, all the respect for Charles Haley, but Harvey Martin was was part of everything that the Cowboys that all that winning that they had. And really, I look at I look at you know at Charles Haley. He was like a mercenary. You know, I mean, he was he was drafted by San Francisco. Hell, when he went into the Hall of Fame, it wasn't Jerry Jones that put him in. It was Eddie DeBartolo that put him in. You know, it was San Francisco that put him in and he is in your ring of honor. So I guess to your point, he's in the ring of honor over Jimmy and Harvey Martin. And I understand how rare it is to get in this ring of honor, 
but man, there are, there are some names that are missing and, 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 and great names in Cowboys history. I can say Harvey Martin and I, I just, the Jones family, I wish they would just kind of go back and look at guys like that as, but you know, the next ring of honor guys are going to be like Witten and Romo and Ware and people like that. It's going to be everything since they've owned the team. I don't see them going back and putting somebody in from the, from the seventies and eighties Cowboys that was better in my opinion than a guy like Charles Haley, who they have in there right now. My parents keep asking me about, about Charlie waters. Yeah. That he deserves to be in. If, if yeah. Cliff Harris was in, then sure. Charlie should be in. That's their argument. And uh, Dion is not in. If Charles Haley is in, then Dion should be in by that account, right? Another piece for a Super Bowl? Dion's a mercenary too, you know? Yep. San Francisco, Atlanta, San Francisco, Dallas is a mercenary. But, you know, that's... Ravens, Washington. To me, <laughs> when you start talking about Ring of Honors, the one thing the Cowboys have done, it's, it's been those homegrown players. It has been their homegrown talent, you know, that they've done. And, you know, for... Haley to go in, that's fine. I, I I respect that, but man, there's there's some others I felt like that maybe were probably better deserving than more deserving than him. Doesn't really fit the trend, yeah, with, nope. with the Haley in there <laughs> at all. Man, I hope you can ask this question again next year, John, because <laughs> we get a lot of good conversation out of it. Let's let another week of Cowboys camp go by, and we'll come back next week and talk about it. What about them Cowboys? How about that? Brian, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Look for a sizzler. There might be one. Yeah, thank you so much for asking me to be on it. It's always an honor to work with you guys. Such talented guys and gals over there at The Athletic. I wish you guys nothing but the best. Appreciate it. And definitely Cowboys fans, listen to Brian on Cowboys radio, pre-post game shows, things like that on The Fan. Uh, for Saad and John, catch their work on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash about them. Cowboys get you the best deal there. I'm Kent, and we'll talk to you next week on About the Cowboys. Goodbye. What summer vacation? I don't take vacations.